Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, that's a little bit after the hour. Good morning, everyone. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in over the next couple of hours. Happy Labor Day. Labor Day weekend. Yes, sir. I always get Labor Day in Memorial Day. I know. Day I think a lot of us do. But yeah, this is Labor Day weekend. So all us laborers. Yes, we we're can, celebrating their hard effort. We because can, We can relax. I mean, <laughs> we can relax. Because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, it's, it's the labors of us and those that came before us that made America great, right? And you, you stand up when it's uh, Star Spangled Banner, right? And I do. Put your hand across your heart. Yes, sir. Take off your hat. Yep. Me too. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You want to get into some Kaepernick talk? Is that, oh, what not really. you, is I just, that where you're going with just, that? I was, but. Oh, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> uh, I don't quite get that, but I guess it's everyone has a right to do it they their own expression, right? I, I suppose. Um, this is a financial planning show, and we're going to get into financial planning topics. Uh, IRAs, 401ks, taxes, investments, Social Security, whatever. Um, you got a bunch of email questions we'll get through again today. Uh, a couple of other things. We got Larry Spedro, our good friend Larry. Uh, he'll be joining us momentarily. If you have not uh, listened to Larry, um, he's been on our show now for. He's been kind of a semi regular for the last two, three years, I yeah, would say. Yeah, probably longer than that, it seems. Yeah, like. maybe. And, um, yeah, but he's written, he's, of course, he. Wrote a new book. Yes. Uh, I think this is number 14 or 15. I think so, too. And I think a couple books ago, he said he was done. Yeah, I remember that. And then two more have come out since then. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk to Larry about his new book, Factor Investing. Yes. That's going to be riveting. Yes. Well, and uh, I'll give you a little prelude. Factors include something like uh, like a small company tends to outperform a large company. So if you tilt your portfolio towards small companies, you do a little bit better. That's what a factor is. Sure. And then there's a lot more strategies coming out when it comes to factor investing. They call it smart beta. Yeah, right. And our firm, we do factor investing. Yes, we do. We tilt our portfolios towards value companies, small company, profitable yes. companies. Yeah, that's kind of one of the newer ones, right? Profitable companies. Well, there's hundreds of them now. Uh, yes, I understand. Right? But I mean, if you if you kind of, I mean, the main ones people talk about is stocks versus bonds. They talk about value companies versus growth, small companies versus uh, uh, what I say small versus large and then now profitable companies tend to outperform less profitable companies which actually kind of seems intuitive yeah and what well, I talked to Larry about this what I don't know a few months ago and when he was on the air and he's not sure if that factor is gonna hold yeah because there's not a true risk story yeah I it, it this does seem, seem a little bit contrary to most factors, right? Where risk and return are related, exactly. Because you would think more profitable companies would be less less risky. risky. Yeah, and so with less risky means lower expected yeah. returns. Yeah, so I, I I agree. There's we'll see how this all plays out. So um, we'll talk to Larry. Uh, go to our website if you'd like purefinancial.com. Tuesday I'm doing a webinar. Uh, on long-term care, it's short and sweet. It's about a half an hour long. Uh, just kind of the basics of what you need to do, what you need to know. Uh, so if you want to go to our website at purefinancial.com, uh, you can get a recording of that as well. Um, we're taping live Tuesday. 
we're doing it live on Tuesday, but of course we're going to record it. Um, all you got to do is sign up for it, and then you can get uh, the recording. So purefinancial.com, go to our learning center. Uh, I don't know, there's 400 videos there, multiple different webinars, um, and things of that nature. So, Joe, I think when, when we talk about long-term care planning, a lot of people assume we mean you have to buy insurance. And sure. that's one way to solve an issue, but not the only way. Right. I mean, you can self-insure. Sure. Right. And then so you're just paying it out of pocket. Um, right. Or just have a plan. Yeah. And so it's going to be a combination of a couple of different things potentially. Maybe you just want to insure a portion of it. You're going to use your assets for another portion. Yeah. And may, maybe you got Social Security and pension that covers a portion of it. That, I mean, that's that's what this is all about is making sure that you are covered in case you got to go to a long-term care facility. Sure. And I think I, I, when it comes to long-term care too, it's not necessarily you're planning. Because um, if I have Alzheimer's or dementia, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to remember I'm in a home. Right. right. But my spouse that has, you know, very, who's still very healthy yes. is going to remember it. Right. right. And then I'm going to drain all the assets from the household. Right. And going to leave her destitute. And, you know, so, so you got to be careful when yeah. you look at this type of planning. It's like, okay, well, here, no, I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to just, you know, call my brother and he'll take care of yeah, me. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go to, going to go to Oregon and, and take some pill and then I'm done. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So um, it, that's, I think a lot of people say that just because they don't necessarily want to think about the I, realities I think that's of it, exactly right. right. And um, so it's just making sure that you have a plan in place for it, just a contingency plan. 70% of us um, over the age 65 will need some sort of care. And it's not necessarily illness, it's accidents is sure. on the rise. Yeah, because we're living a lot longer, yeah. right? and our bodies are getting more frail. So, right, you fall, you break your hip, you break your leg. Yes, um, and it takes a lot longer to recuperate. And right? and that doesn't necessarily mean you go to a facility. It could be in home. In home, yeah, home mm -hmm. uh, healthcare. But but that's a that's a valid statistic, which which means the majority of us need to have some kind of long term care plan. You know, have need, I guess, and so we need to have a plan for it. Because uh, another surprising thing is Medicare doesn't necessarily cover that. Yeah, Medicare will cover the first 20 days. Um, it, they cover skilled care, right? They don't necessarily cover custodial care. Right. So custodial care means you're not necessarily going to get better. Skilled yes. care is that they can kind of patch you up, fix yeah, you up, that's, get that's you out the, the door. Yeah, that's the broken leg type of thing yeah, or right. whatever. Yeah. And so with the rehabs and you know, PT and all that, that would then go into a facility where then you would yes. need some sort of long-term care potentially to cover that. Right, so, right. Well, we cover super um, – uh, oh, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, she can hear me sniffling, I guess. She's brought in a roll of toilet paper. Yeah. Wow, that's a big wow. one. You going to go through that whole thing? Oh, sure. What, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the heck. Got a, little, got a little head coat. I don't know what the day. heck it is. It's summer, you know? Yeah, it's you Memorial be getting, Day should weekend. Be Labor, Labor Day, Day weekend. weekend. Yeah. 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 Right? I don't need a... I don't need this stuff. So. No, no. It's, so you're supposed to get colds in the winter. I know, right? And I'm from Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's 80 degrees. It's been so cold here lately. Uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, um, we got your email questions. We have um, some facts and figures. Al's got a bunch of great articles that he's probably going to share with us. What's what's your top three that you want to get Articles? Into? Yeah. Do you have any? I got, yeah, I got the 13 biggest financial fears in Amer from Americans. You don't want to miss that one. 13? Yeah. And then I got, uh, you got a, Warren Buffett just turned 86 this past week, and guess how much money he made for every day of his life? A couple million bucks. That's correct. If you take his current wealth and divide it by the number of days that he's been alive, he's averaged making $2 million per day, every single day. 
So he's 86 years old? Yes. And he's, uh, he's still a CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. He's the oldest CEO of an S&P 500 company. So I wonder what people are going to do when he passes. Yeah, it's a good question. Well, supposedly what he's saying is that he's developed a whole bunch of protégés in Berkshire Hathaway that'll take over with his philosophies. Yeah, but we haven't heard of them. I know, right? So I, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, and he's he's been reluctant to say who his successor is going to be. And uh, I mean, his buddy Charlie Munger. Have you he's, seen him? No, he's but he's, he's old. older. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> he's not taking over. <laughs> so. Um, anyway, so we got, um, I guess, for this Labor Day weekend, uh, we'll labor through this and get you really good information. If you have any questions, you can always go to purefinancial.com. Info at purefinancial is our email. Um, and I'm going to dive into the emails when we get back from the break, Al. Okay, good. Because I got a few here from Investopedia. We got some Nerd Wallet ones. Um, and I like actually going through those. Because yeah, they are kind of fun, at least for us. I, yeah. think, I think our listeners like it. I mean, we hear positive feedback and sometimes negative and sometimes yeah yeah I, well, one of one of my favorite clients was in last week yes. she was referring a friend of her she's like yo you have to listen to these two young chaps on the radio and, <laughs> i like being called young and so next thing and she's like well were you guys drunk <laughs> i was like drunk you were laughing what are you talking about these she's are like, serious oh, questions yes it's finance yeah you can't be laughing and joking it's around not allowed it's on yeah I was like, no, I wasn't drunk yet. After the show, maybe. Maybe. But I wasn't on air. Not before. Not before. We just have a good time with it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? I don't think so. We've been doing this 10 years. We've yeah. got to make, you gotta know, have some talking fun about the it. same thing every weekend. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. Don't go anywhere. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al, hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Talking financial, planning, investments, whatever. Uh, Investopedia sends me emails. Full disclosure, they did send me a pair of colorful socks, so I did get some sort of compensation, Alan. Well, you, well you're being uh, you're transparent, aren't you? I am you? very transparent. I like it. And um, so what they, they send me these things and they're like, hey, you know what? We need help. Um, here's some questions from individuals that go to Investopedia. Yeah, some are pretty good. Yeah. And then some people write these emails. It's like, I'm surprised you had a computer. Yeah. <laughs> they're off. Well, off the charts. Yes. And so we go in black here, dark. Dark. I we don't know read them before are... we go on the air, just to yeah, make neither, it a little bit more interesting. Neither you nor I have seen these. So a um, couple of tax ones here for you. Oh, Al. Perfect. Uh, do I need to pay capital gains tax on the sale of my retail space? All right. Oh, we had we did that one last week. Did we? Yeah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think we really? did. Really? I am being bought out by my second business? Oh, yeah, we did do that we one did. last one. Okay, well, here. Here's the next one. I okay. got plenty here. <laughs> God, you, you, you got last week's pile? We, we didn't finish them. Oh, okay. We didn't finish them. All right, what type of loan should I use to buy out my sibling for inherited property? What type of loan? Yeah, come on. That's that's new. That's hot off the press. Yeah, that is hot. We haven't had that question. Is okay. there a certain type of loan I need to apply, ask for? So she's trying to buy out her siblings on a property. Okay, so in other words, she so she inherited a property along with her sibling or siblings, and she wants to buy them out. She's like, like, so she was probably living in the house. Probably. 
I would expect. Right? Yeah. Have that's, you ever most, seen that? Yes, very common. You know, hey, I'm li- I'm still living at home. Yep. I'm, I'm 65. <laughs> and, I, and, I, <laughs> and I want to stay here. Hey, this is my house. No, it's not. It's mom and dad's house. Yeah. We're You've just been six freeloading <laughs> for 60 years <laughs> on mom and dad. Well, I want to buy you out. Yeah. So now she's asking Big Al, how, how do I get how a loan? do that? Okay, well, that's relatively simple. So... Take the value of the home. So I'm just going to make up a number, $500,000. That's what it's worth. And let's say, did it say sibling or siblings? Uh, Buy out my sibling. Sibling. Okay, two siblings. So in other words, each of them, and let's just pretend there's no mortgage. So $250,000 of equity each. So she inherits two fifty, dollars and then she's got to pay her sibling $250,000. Right, and so uh, the way that that is done, typically you would set up a, a mortgage loan. Uh, so your sibling then would be like the bank, if you will, and you could set up a fifteen-year loan or a thirty-year loan, just like a bank would do. Why wouldn't you just go to a bank? Could I'm assuming that she doesn't have the money or, oh, or because credit she's a ability. freeloader is what yes. you're, you're well, assuming. Going off of your story, got it. I'll come back to the other one. So if you want to do it uh, my way uh, in terms of paying the sibling, then you're just going to pay them a monthly payment, just like just like a bank, right? And, but and, what sibling would go for that? Well, so you and I are brothers. Yeah, I've been living in the house. Well, if I and can, you're like, hey, you got to buy me out. If you pay, and me, I'll be like, okay, well, let's do. Can I just pay you monthly? Five hundred well, bucks a I'll, month. I'll say, well, we'll do a nine percent interest rate. Sure. All right. Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. Well, I suppose you can assess my risk sure. level. Sure, I, and which I would be pretty high. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, you could do that. Or uh, better yet, for the for the other sibling, of course, is is for the sibling that has the home. They go to the bank. They get two hundred fifty. They borrow two hundred fifty thousand dollars. They pay it to the other sibling, and now they pay the bank. That's actually the best way to do it. But um, but not all people can afford a loan so but let's say that i have decent credit decent income i go to the bank and i say hey i have this house yeah i inherited it yeah now here's the title it's my brother and i that inherit this house right so i go through the normal channels of just getting a a normal mortgage front-end mortgage and say i need two hundred fifty thousand. yeah the mortgage is in my name they cut me a check and i just give that check to my brother Uh, that's exactly right and then from there and 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 then it's um, and in some cases, if the bank the bank may force you through the escrow to send the money right to the brother, right, and which is okay, same same, right, yeah. So then, uh, then the sibling one, the let's call it the brother, the brother gets paid off, and the sister gets to live in the home and has a two hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage on a five hundred thousand dollar property. But like I said, if you don't if you don't have that ability. Then uh, you'll have to set up some sort of arrangement with your sibling and, and some kind of financing, and maybe you'll pay it off later when you can qualify for a loan and you refinance at that point. This is where a lot of turmoil comes into play. No kidding, right? You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, some sibling. Let's just sell the house. Let's just sell the property. Yeah. Then I because I want to get paid. Right. You know. Hey. Right. And, you've lived there, or maybe you yes. want to live there, but you don't have the means. To get right. a loan. To, to get a loan and things like that. And no, I'm, I'm stuck. No, I'm going to be the bad guy. I don't want to be paid over 30 years. Right, exactly. I want my money. I want, I, it, I I want it now because I need I to, want to, to go buy a home myself. Sure, or I got kids I got to put through school. Right. Right. So one sibling has their own set of goals, and yes. the other sibling has their own set of goals, right? Yes. And then now you have this property, 
It's like, well, here, I'm going to live in it. Right. Fortunately, you can't live in stocks, right? Right. It's, so yeah. there, that's easy. That's yeah, just you, an easy you, split, and then you, you have your own them. liquidity and everything else. So so I guess the point here is if, if you're a parent or if you're older and you're in this situation, make sure you've thought it through. In this particular case, maybe the um, the parents could have had a little bit of life insurance that would requ- would give some liquidity so that the daughter living in the home could pay off the Or, other. I mean, at, at least express wishes and saying, okay, we'll have a family meeting in a sense. And, right. Right. Hey, the, here's here's what we're looking at here. And then if one sibling, um, you know, says, you know what, I really want to, I really want to have the house. Yes. You know, I really want to make sure that the house stays in the family. And then so then the other sibling says, okay, well, what's how are we going to do this? Right. Right. And then you kind of talk about it as a family. Yes. That actually is. The, While mom and dad are still alive. Yeah, that's the best answer. That's it's hard though for families sometimes to talk about money like that and talk and for parents to talk about their own demise. Sure, sure, sure. But I, I think what we've done um, with our firm is that we're having a lot more conversations about. All right. Well, here, what's going to happen? Let's have a list of things because when someone dies, there's, I mean, you know, you got passwords, you have, yes. uh, you, you know, safety deposit boxes that maybe no one really knows. And right. So d- spending the time up front, and I, I get it, no one really wants to talk about them when they're passed, but it's important. It, it is. Well, it's a couple of hours. Right. It, it is. And I think that's, that's exactly right. You may have a will or a trust and... That will expel how the assets are supposed to be divvied up. But a letter of instructions and a meeting beforehand goes a long way. Right. And saying, all right, well, here, if if Johnny really wants the house, okay, well, this is what the house is worth. Or, or maybe Johnny was a caretaker. Right. right. So we just talked a little bit about long-term care. Sure. So maybe he's been taking care of mom and dad. Right. Well, there's definitely some value behind that monetary sure. value. And maybe you kind of slant the inheritance towards, Right. And towards saying, okay, caregiver. well, here, Johnny's staying at home. He's taking care of us. He's our caretaker. He's running out, doing the errands, making sure the house is up kept and everything else. Well, he's going to be compensated for that. And that compensation is this. And so all the siblings know. Right. It's and or, so- or, or, or else, you know, Billy could say no. And then I want to do, all right, well, then, okay, you care, you be the caretaker. Yeah, all right, you come in and do it, too. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to. Well, no. then, okay, then you can't say no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I think it's just those open, honest, hard, yes. very difficult discussions. Yes. But it's yeah. it, it will, I mean, because the, we've seen this, Alan. I mean, we've been doing this a long time where all of a sudden you have this nice family. Right. One mom and dad die, and all of a sudden the siblings are just at each other. Falls and apart. then. Right, and it falls apart, and they, they won't talk for the rest of their lives. Correct. I mean, over money. It's so... Yeah, and, and sometimes that happens, Joe, just because the parents don't necessarily trust a couple of the kids, and so then you then they put the older or whatever, the responsible son or daughter as the trustee, and now you got an adversarial relationship with that sibling versus the other one, and that's not good either. Right. But then you can't name... Let's say you have three siblings. You can't necessarily name all three as co. Yeah, it's... Because it's, then they'll fight. Right, they'll fight, and they'll probably live in different parts of the country, and they can't get anything done paperwork-wise. And it's, right. it's logistically a nightmare. By having that, so but mom and dad need to be there, right? It yeah. can't be too late where it's like, okay, well, here, dad passed, and mom's in the hospital. You have to make sure that you have a plan. And I mean, it, this is estate planning, but it also has to revolve around retirement planning, yes. risk management, and everything else in between. If you had a game plan that covered all of these different questions from A to Z, that would bring so much more confidence in you, the family. It would stop fights and everything else in between. 
back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, Big Al Clopine next to me. Thanks for tuning in. Going through some email questions, and these emails are not directly sent to us. They are sent to a company or website called Investopedia, and then Investopedia sends them to me. They're anonymous. I don't know who they are. Okay, yes. So it's not like, and sometimes we might... And Investopedia decides, of all the people in the country, let's give it to Joe Anderson. Yes, yeah. pretty much. That's a, That puts you right at the top. Well, there's other advisors that they answer the questions, but my answers are that much better. Apparently. Apparently. Because we keep getting them every <laughs> week, don't we? Because I'm probably the only one that answers them. <laughs> probably. Uh, here's another one. Um, which income option is best for a 70-year-old? Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm, oh, I think we did this one, too. Okay. All right. All right. Um, never mind. Can I avoid paying gift tax? How about this one for a header? I like it. Okay. All right. So, um, can a grandparent gift a grandchild money for college and not have to pay a gift tax? Would the grandchild have to pay taxes on it too? Ah, good question. Grandparent wants to pay college and wants to avoid gift taxes. And, and first of all, gift taxes, Joe, is you're allowed to give $14,000 to any individual each year. And if it's grandma and grandpa, they can each give $14,000 to grandson, granddaughter. So that's $28,000. That's if they give them the money. Interestingly enough, if the grandparents pay the college tuition directly, uh, I believe <laughs> I believe that avoids the gift tax issue. Well, they can go. Um, they can give up to five years of gifts if they go into a five twenty nine plan. Yeah, well, I'll, that's a good point. I'll come back to that. Or if they just want to gift annually. Yeah. Right. So they can give to the right. Both of them can give. Yes. Twenty eight grand. Twenty eight thousand, which may cover. But I, I believe if the grandparents pay the tuition directly, that doesn't count as a gift. I, I know for sure if the parents do. Well, yeah. No, it is the grandparents. I, I take that back. So that can avoid the whole gift tax issue. And then, but you could give up to five million bucks without a gift tax. It's just going to reduce your tax. Right. Exclusion. Yeah. So, so if they want to give the grandkid a million dollars, depending on the grandparents' net worth, I would say most people they can give as much as they want. It's really not going to affect anything. Well, yes, unless they have a big estate. Sure. So let's talk about that. So you get each person gets under current law almost five and a half um, million dollars exempt when they pass away. So a couple gets about eleven million dollars exempt. Roughly. Roughly, it's a little bit less than that. So to go to the next generation tax free. If you're over that, it's a forty percent tax on everything over that. So here's what happens with this $14,000 gift that you can make. If you give more than the $14,000, now that's what they call a taxable gift. It doesn't mean you currently pay taxes on it. It means that gift essentially gets subtracted from your exclusion. And it's, So it, it's for a, instance, let's say it's $5.5 million. Right. I give grandson 15000 instead of the 14000 Yes. So $1,000 over the annual exclusion, because 14000 doesn't count, the That's other 1000 right. on top of that. So that would reduce the $5.5 million by $1,000 if correct. I pass away. That's right. And it's it's for you accountants out there. It's a little more complicated than that because they use what's called a unified credit rule, but it's easier to visualize that way. In, in essence, if you give more than the 14000 today, you have to file a gift tax return and you'll get less benefit or less exclusion when you actually do pass away. So you, you could give a million 
million dollars, Joe. Sure. And then it's then it's like you have roughly a four and a half million dollar exclusion when you pass away. So then you look at all right. Well, do, am I a high net worth individual or just average or right. low net worth? Yeah, right? for, for most people, this doesn't even apply. It, it doesn't even apply. Right. Because, but but they hear all right. Well, here I can only give fourteen thousand dollars away. Right. Or, or I can only give fourteen thousand to let's say a, a, a grandchild or son or whatever. Yeah. But if I give, they think they have to pay the tax. Yeah. And any dollar over that amount, so they're like, okay, now what do I do? How do I file this on my tax return? How much tax yeah. am I going to owe? Yeah. And, and the truth is, you do have to file a return. But you don't have to pay any tax. It just comes off of your future exclusion when you pass away. Right. And that exclusion is fairly large. Yes. Almost five and a half million. So then the other question is, is, all right, well, does the grandchild have to pay tax? Well, it depends on what you give, right? So if you give cash, then no. But let's say if you give Johnny a highly appreciated asset. So let's say you bought it for $1,000. It's worth 14000 today. Right. Well, then the giftor or the giftee... Keeps the gift doors basis. Correct. So what that means is that I'm going to give out $14,000, but the 14000 is not going to come from cash. It's going to be from a mutual fund that I had that I bought for thirteen or for $1,000. Now it's worth $14,000. i will just give that to Alan. Wow, that was a great investment. Yeah, it was. It's been <laughs> invested for 40 years. <laughs> Got it. So with that, if Alan, when he sells that asset, then that would be a taxable gain on Alan's tax return, whatever growth that is. Right. So in other words, when you make a gift, your tax basis follows the gift, and whoever then gets the gift and sells the asset will pay the same capital gains that you would have paid had you sold it. But if you're giving it to a grandchild, the likelihood, uh, you know, and if they're going to college, right. right, or maybe they're in high school, well, there's this special capital gains tax that you don't pay any capital gains on a capital asset if you're in the zero or if you're in the 10 or 15% tax bracket. That is correct. And for a single uh, taxpayer, that's taxable income of about $37,000 or so. Yeah, close to 40, right? So that's true. Now, if you give a gift to a child that's under 17, you have the kiddie tax rules, and that's a whole other set of uh, things you got to watch out for. But particularly for a college-age kid, and here's something else for you business owners. How about this? Instead of you paying the college tuition yourself and basically getting no deduction because your adjusted gross income is too high, why don't you put the kid on the payroll? And have the kid pay for the college through their payroll, right? And then you got a tax deduction for doing it that way. Now, they actually have to do something for your business. You can't just make it up. But that's a great strategy if you're a business owner. I was on this national syndicated um, radio show. Okay. Right? And I forget where it was out of. Massachusetts. I think it was like the Harvard Review. Something like that. Okay. You were on it? Yeah. Wow. And um, it was like, I don't know, a 15-minute segment. And so we would get calls. Okay. And they, they asked me to be on it. So, the, you know, we'd get calls coming sure. in. Sure, yeah. And wow, the, the host, ultra, ultra boring conservative. <laughs> right? Okay. And I'm like, yeah, are you sure you want me on this show? <laughs> I'm so, going to liven it up. <laughs> so a call comes in, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm looking to fund. Um, I, I want to help my kids out with retirement and this and that and so on and so forth. And so whatever, small business owner. And so the the host kind of answers some boring, well, I don't know, blah, 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 you know, there's no, probably not much you can do. And I was like, well, wait a minute. How old are your kids? You know, like 13, 12. I go put them on the payroll. And then all of a sudden the host was, oh, hey, what do you mean? What do you know? Oh, that's pretty aggressive. I was like, no, it's not. Pay the, your kids. Put a, have them come in on Saturdays. Sweep, clean, right? File. Right. Like, have them work. Right. In your business. They could probably set up your social network. Right. Yes, exactly. Be your IT specialist. 
get them on the payroll, pay them. Well, they'll have to pay payroll tax. They get a deduction. Now the kids have earned income. Guess what you do with that earned income? Fund a Roth IRA. Because you can't just, let's say, all right, well, here, Junior, I'm going to give you $5,500 to put into a Roth IRA. No, the kid has to have earned income. Right. And if they don't have $5,500 of earned income, well, then they can't fund any retirement. Well, they can, but it depends on what their earned income is. If they have $1,000 of earned income, then they can fund $1,000. So it's like, all right, well, you put the kids on the payroll, right? Let them, uh, but make sure they work. I think kids need to work, right? My first job, I, I was, what was I doing? Washing dishes at a bar on Saturday mornings before the bar opened. Right. It was like a bar restaurant Got down it. the street from my house. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's Mopping cr- floors, cleaning. I was probably, what, seventh grade. It's it's interesting, Joe, because we there are a lot of people out there. So you're talking about this host on this show, ultra ultra conservative, and there's a lot of accountants that are ultra conservative, and I'm I have no problem with being conservative, but I also think it's really important to take advantage of the of the tax laws that are given to us, and that's one of them, which is you're a business owner and you can pay your son or daughter to do something in your business and it becomes a deduction for you. You have a higher tax bracket. They have a lower tax bracket. They could use it for college. They could set up a Roth IRA, any number of things. And it's uh, it's it's confusing to me why, why there's so little of this information out there because if you really understand what the rules and opportunities are, you can take some control over your taxes. But uh, I'll tell you, not many folks are talking about it. And what it boils down to is it's not necessarily their expertise. A lot of investment advisors focus on investments. A lot of accountants focus on year-by-year tax returns. But there's a way to do it, and that's by having a forward-looking, tax-efficient strategy. Whether you're saving for retirement or whether you have a business or you're a real estate owner, there's all kinds of things you can do. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Happy uh, Labor Day weekend, everyone. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying some time with friends and family this weekend, unwinding, relaxing. I uh, can't believe, uh, this, I guess officially the summer is uh, over. Um, but here in Southern California, it's basically summer every day. True. Uh, so enjoy the weekend, three days. And then the fall comes around. Kids are already back to school. Um, most kids are back to school now, aren't they? Yeah, they are in our neighborhood in Carmel Valley in San Diego. Yes, they're back in school. They, they started, uh, I think it was last week, actually. Uh, in fact, a couple weeks ago, maybe. So, um, anyway, we're, we're going into um, kind of the email bag today. Just There's a lot of different uh, companies now that you could go to. NerdWallet is one of them. Investopedia is one of them. And so if you have questions, or you can always go to just directly to us. Al and I get many um, email questions, and uh, we answer those. Yeah, we answer them directly. Directly. If you want to talk to the two of us, go for it. Yeah. Um, interesting cr- um, questions that come through. Very, yes. And so, yeah, you can always just email us directly. Uh, you can go to these other sites, Investopedia, NerdWallet. We have no affiliation. Oh, I did get a pair of socks from Investopedia. <laughs> well, that's, Investopedia. Not a, that's not affiliation. That's a compensation. I, I did get compensated. <laughs> Answering 100 questions, I got a pair of socks. I I answer questions. I haven't got anything. Well, I don't know, Al. I don't think they like your answers. Apparently. I don't think they like your answers at all. (laughs) I'm still wearing uh, just like regular socks. You got these colored socks and everything? Yeah, they're nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, I got a couple of... A couple more? Yeah. All right. Let's see what you got. This is uh, from uh, NerdWallet. Okay. Let's see here. Top questions. I recently opened an LLC and landed my first client. Good, like it. Is there a limitation to how much income I can make off a single client? 
Oh, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, is there more to that, or is that the question? That's the question. That's the question. Uh, the answer is no. There is no limits that you have, can make on a, any particular client. But here's here's a potential issue, and maybe this is why you're asking it, which is when you have like just one client, and that's all you do, and you go to their office, you actually might be an employee of that company instead of an independent contractor. And uh, it's actually more of an issue for that company as it, than it is to you. That company, because they call you an independent contractor, they don't have to pay payroll taxes and benefits and things like that. You may actually be an employee but that's you know that's a side point the truth is if you have a LLC you could have one client and as long as you're functioning as a separate company independent contractor and IRS has like 20 questions that they they sort of go through to figure out whether you're an employee or independent contractor it doesn't matter you could have 100 clients you could have one client whatever I withdrew eight thousand dollars from my 401k I have retired at 59 okay I have not cashed the check okay if I send it back, what happens? <laughs> Will I still be penalized? Uh, well, fifty-nine. They're over fifty-nine and a half. So. Well, hold on. There's, he said I retired at fifty-nine. Oh, fifty-nine. It came from your four hundred and one k. If you're separated from service at the age of fifty-five, then there is no ten percent penalty. First right. of all, right. So if I separate from service from my employer and I take a distribution from my four hundred and one k, as long as I separate from service at fifty five years of age or older, then there is no ten percent penalty. It's not the fifty nine and a half, which is our IRAs. Yes. Fifty five is the four hundred and one k. However, I can't separate from service at fifty four, and then when I turn fifty five, take the distribution. I have to separate from service from that employer active plan at age fifty five in that given year. In that given year to take that and to I, take that ten percent exemption off the table or the ten percent penalty yeah. um, to use that as an exemption. Right. So, so that's that, a, that's yeah. one thing. Yes. So, but I think the main question: I took eight grand. Yeah. I don't need it. Can I give it back? <laughs> Can I put it back? So yeah. Then the question is: is does the four hundred one k follow the IRA rules, the 60-day rule. <laughs> I don't think it does, but what do you think? No, I don't think it does either. Yeah. 401k is under Section 401k, not under the individual yeah. retirement account. So what we're talking about is when you have an IRA, you can take money out for any purpose, and as long as you put it back in within 60 days, there's no harm, no foul, no tax, and no penalty if you're younger than 59 and a half. But with a 401k, I don't believe that rule exists. Because that's a, that's a distribution. Yes. They cut you a check. If you lost it, and right. they'll, they'll cut you another check. Yes. Uh, if right, but the, it's out of the plan. Right, they're already sending the forms to the IRS. Right, that's the, that's exactly right. So I think you're stuck on that one. So if he's like, well, will I still be penalized? I mean, you wouldn't be a penalized unless you didn't separate from service from that company um, at 55. Right, so let's say you separated from that company. It's an old 401k plan. Then that wouldn't work. Right, so I worked there when I was 40. I left, but I kept it in the 401k and I worked in another place. But I'm I'm assuming that's not the case. I'm assuming he's taking the money from his current plan. Right, that he retired at age 59. Maybe he didn't wait till 59 and a half. Right, took the eight grand and said, "Oops, I'm not 59 and a half. Yes. Can I give the money back to avoid that 10 percent penalty?" Yeah, so he probably didn't know about the 401k 55 year old 55 rule, rule. Mm-hmm. Right. which I think a lot of people don't know that. Now the other part of this is, do you have to pay? income tax on that? The answer is absolutely. You always have to pay income tax out of your 401k or IRA. Unless, unless it was an after-tax contribution, yes, yeah, right? Or yeah, it, unless. There's always an unless, right? <laughs> yeah. But if you have a 401k and you retire and you've got some after-tax money in there, why don't you convert that directly to a Roth IRA? You're now allowed to do that. And then the pre-tax stuff would can be can, can be rolled into an IRA if you want to or left in your 401k, whatever. But uh, yeah, that's a great way to get a Roth IRA without having to pay any tax. 
Here's another question for you, Big Al. Yeah. How much capital gains tax will I pay on a home I sold after living in it for only 13 months? Oh, I like that question. Because the rule is you have to live in the home two out of the last five years to qualify for the Section 121 exclusion, which is $250,000 or $500,000 if you're married. So if you lived in, what would you say? 13, 13 months. months. So that's below the two years. So now that falls under what's called a facts and circumstances test. And there are certain ways that you can get a partial uh, exclusion. For example, and, and this is right in the code, is if you... What a facts and circumstances. Facts and circumstances test. If, for example, Joe, you're... So what we call Big Al. Let, let's, 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 say you're, uh, let's say you're married. Okay. And you... Which I'm not. But let's say you were. Okay. And let's say you're going to have a baby. All right. Okay, you bought your home. It's a two-bedroom home. You're all excited. And uh, in the hospital... Twins. The, twins, right? Two kids, unexpected circumstance. That actually qualifies for a partial exclusion. So the way that you do it is you take 13 months divided by 24 months, because that's two years. And so whatever that percentage, multiply it against the $250,000 exclusion per person. About 55%. Yes, is what you would get. And so there's two of you, 55% of 500,000, whatever that is, close to 300,000, 280. So, yeah. I mean, if I've only lived there for 13 months, the likelihood of that increasing that much right. in value is probably pretty yeah. low. So another one is if your home was found to have mold in it, right? Okay. So you didn't expect that. On the other hand... How about if, if I get transferred? If you get transferred, a job transfer, that could, that or could count. Or maybe the, the, the company probably yeah, the pick comp- that up. Well, no, if, if there is a job transfer, I believe that's one of those. I don't have the, the sheet in front of me. But here's one that I know doesn't work, and that is people will say, well... Uh, I'm right next to a busy road, and I can't sleep at night. Well, you already knew that when you bought. So that's the idea. Unforeseen circumstances. But if I don't have that circumstance, then it would just be a long-term capital gain. You bet. But if I sold it, let's say, in 10 months, it would be ordinary income on whatever gain that I had. Yeah, in other words, if I owned it for 10 months, I didn't even own it a year. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yes. It's a, it's, a, it's a short-term capital gain, which is taxed at ordinary income rates. But 13 months is over the 12-month threshold, so yes. I'd be good there. So I'd pay 15% tax, potentially, or it could be as high as 20. Or Yeah, but realize this. Uh, if you owned it 13 months, unless the home appreciated wildly, there's probably not much gain. Because by the time you sell it, you have all these closing costs. And when you bought it, you probably put some money into it, and you had closing costs to buy. So there may not be much gain. The most important uh, investment that you folks can make, um, in my opinion, is an investment you make in yourself. And I want to give you all that opportunity right now, but this investment is not going to cost you a nickel, so very 